0: As we are looking at preaching and we're looking at this moment, I want to highlight a little bit of our preaching model. At Bethany, we're a campus and a church of six locations. We are one church, but we're expressed in different ways in different parts all over our city. And in the past, the way that preaching has happened is we have gathered and we've kind of created a series um, collaboratively, and then we have preached out that series, and we kind of go from uh, a group idea, and we express that idea individually and contextually for each location. Starting this past fall, we started building the preaching schedule a little differently, and so what that does is it gives us space in our uh, rhythm, in our preaching rhythm, to have dedicated time, unique for each location, And we are in the beginning of a three-week series that allows us to explore what is God placing on our heart? What is God doing within us? What's God working within us? So the first week was actually last week, and we started with brunch. We started with food. We started with hospitality. We started with sharing with each other. One that lines up with an annual tradition we do at Northeast, but also it's an embodiment of the hospitality we hope to share with one another and the hospitality we hope to embody with the people around us. Something that meets each other at the table. Something that meets each other around, um, around places of communion. And so we are in this moment in the series where we're going to explore what does it mean to be invitational? What's it mean to be hospitable? Why do we do this? And how does this Sunday morning experience, this participation in a church, form us towards living out that ethic well? As we start this off, I want us to visit kind of the, the fundamentals of our faith and our life to explore how might Bethany Northeast become a more faithful community based on where we've been before. So I did, <coughs> excuse me. I, um, I did some digging, and I <coughs> talked to someone uh, who has been at Bethany for a long time. And they've been a part of uh, Northeast, and they've been a part of Bethany before Northeast launched. One thing they were highlighting was, I was trying to get a sense, like, what—what— what? Things that Bethany have taken hold what are what are motivations, what are mission statements, what are things that we 've landed on because Bethany has a history that is a uh, hundred years old, and in recent seasons, what has that looked like and so, as I was talking to someone, they highlighted here 's our mission statement, and if you um, Look at our strategic plan or some of the other things that kind of guide the way that we do ministry at Northeast and across all Bethany We have this line that we we often say we want to be a church that is inviting people to God community and wholeness We want to be a community a church that's inviting people to God community and wholeness and this was something that, as a vision statement, as a mission statement for our entire church, uh, it was adopted before Northeast even existed. It, it, it was adopted um, around 20, or 2009. And so it's been a guiding thread for a lot of the ministries that have been expressed at Bethany. And it's a rich and compelling mission. It's also an exciting posture. It's something that we're going to press into and explore um, this week and next week. So I want to notice how this mission statement, it sets us up for invitation. It makes it so that the faith is framed as invitation. We shouldn't miss that this invitation matters. What we're not doing is saying the way we're talking about faith is an authorization to fit into a certain scope, right? Right? Our faith isn't about authorizing people's access to God, community, and wholeness. Rather, our faith is something that is an invitation. It's invitive. It brings us to God, community, and wholeness. And in the history of Christianity, this has always kind of been a tension that's been wrestled with. If we follow the trajectory of the Christian faith from its earliest days, we'll find that we have this journey from Christianity as beginning a way of life to then uh, a philosophy, and it grows and it moves as it has its being. So, in its earliest setting, Christianity began in a Jewish context where it was a way of life. It's called the way. If we look in the book of Acts and they say, We are people of the way, we'll notice the word Christianity doesn't happen in the Bible. We don't see it. We do see Christian. We see little Christ, but we don't see the word Christianity. And so it begins in this context where this is a way of living. This is a mode of living. This is something that informs how I have my being. We then, through the scriptures themselves, we move from a Hebraic, Greek, or Jewish mind to uh, something that's more um, in, in the mind. So we move to the Greek mode of living. And as Christianity interacts, it shifts and kind of uh, combines to become more philosophical. So we move from a way of life to a philosophy of life, something that is thought through and that engages us in that way. And then as the church grows, as Christianity grows, it hits this moment where it becomes tied in for the first time into Institution into government. So this happens in 325. Constantine just declares, We are a Christian nation. This is us. And so everyone now is a Christian. And as it happens, we have this institutionalization of the faith in a way that says, blanket statement, this is our life. And so, way of life, philosophy, institution. And then as history unfolds, Christianity starts to spread as a particular type of culture. You can talk about all the ways that that happens. It spreads from a predominantly Jewish space in the world geographically, but over time it takes over what we now know as Europe and expands from there into other places. And we have this expansion geographically where Christianity is now bringing a particular religious culture. And then in America, as that journey comes over of faith, we have these interactions where Christianity is a way of life, it is a philosophy, it is institutionalized, it is a type of culture, and we also can't untie that thread, unfortunately, of ways that sometimes the faith has been commodified. It's been a commodity. And I say this because if we think of the history of Christianity in America— The first slave ship that came to this country was named Jesus the Messiah. And so we can't untie this thread of economics, of history, of the way that faith interacts with where we are today. Faith has been every one of these things through Christian history. Way of life, philosophy, an institution, a religious culture, a commodity— And our hope, as we revisit the fundamentals, as we revisit the mission of our church, as we revisit what it means to practice the faith well, what it means to be formed into the faith well, is I want us to rediscover faith as a way of life. Christianity as a way of life. When we are practicing the Christian faith well, it does not treat God, community, and wholeness like a commodity to serve different ends. It invites us into relationship with God, relationship with our communities, and in actualizing those two relationships, we find wholeness. Way of life. A way of being. So at its best, Christianity is a transformative way of life. At our best, we embody the transformative way of Christ. And we do this through how we posture our lives with others. So if you would, look at our scripture passage today. Our passage this morning speaks to our mission as a church in a pointed fashion. Our scripture is from Hebrews 10, verse 23 through 25. And this morning, we're reading from the ESV translation. The scripture says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I want you to focus in on that verse Verse twenty-four. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. In these three verses, our mission statement is right here, inviting people to God, community, and wholeness. It's all embedded in this passage, in this text. Notice in verse 23, the writer of Hebrews says, The people of faith should hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. Why? Because God is faithful. Because God is faithful. As we think about our mission, we don't root who we are just in good feelings or good vibes. That might be something that we experience, but that's not where we center. We don't root it on the emotion of good vibes. We root it into the being of God, into the faithful presence of the living God. So, we're not inviting people when we think about what is our mission. We're not inviting people into um, a state of optimism or positivity. Like, we're not trying to play psychological tricks, even though in our relationship with God, we do hope that peace and goodness and joy is discovered. But our invitation to people, and the invitation from the scriptures to ourselves, is to connect people to God. And this really matters. And here's why. Um, Richard Rohr, he's a priest, theologian. He wrote this compelling book that tries to bridge the gap between uh, people who are in 12-step programs and then also churches themselves. And so he tries to write this book, bringing those worlds together. He says there's vulnerability in both spaces. There's joy in both spaces. There's... uh, There's reconciliation in both places. There's also difficulty. And he says, when religion does not move people to the mystical, it's more a part of the problem than any solution whatsoever. Because when it does that, it solidifies anger, it creates enemies, and it almost always acts exclusionary to the most recent definition of sinner. At this level, it is largely incapable of its supreme tasks of healing, reconciling, forgiving, and peacemaking. When religion does not give people an inner life or a prayer life, something to connect to, it is missing its primary vocation. It's missing its primary vocation. We can find wholeness... Through programs that uh, help us reevaluate our lives. If you know people or if you've struggled with addiction, we can find some semblance of wholeness through these programs. They are helpful. Don't want to discount that. And yet, one thing that Roar is highlighting in this space that we want to highlight as a church is saying there's something beyond the mechanism of 12 steps that makes us come alive. There's something unique about the invitation to meet God. And in this space, that is something we hope to foster. An invitation first to God, before we even reach into wholeness. So before our passage from Hebrews tells us anything about how we should treat one another, how we should live with one another, how we should provoke or stir up love with one another, it begins by saying, don't miss... We root all of this in the life of God. Before a passage from Hebrew tells us how we can be invitational in our community and find wholeness, the invitation of the Christian faith exists because God is inherently relational and desires to have relationship with us. And so we want to be this kind of church. We want to be these kind of people inviting people to God, community, and wholeness. How might we do this? How does this happen? Verse 24, again, that we looked at, speaks with some tangible, practical ways, some postures of how we do this well. Let's look at it one more time. Verse 24, And let us consider how to stir up one another in love and good works, Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Different translations will play with this verse and uh, articulate this verse uniquely. So some versions will even use the word of provoking one another, prodding one another, training one another. This word of stirring up, it's even uh, in some ways tied to the idea of stirring of the water, right? Making ripples, making waves. But also, as we trace that history and that image in the Scriptures, we know that from the very beginning and opening scene that we see in the Bible, God hovers over the water and stirs the water to create creation. And so we have this image for us that, in many ways, we're to stir each other up, to call out creation from each other to live into that love and good works for one another, and to bring that into being. Because we recognize that it's not just good works for me. The trajectory of how my life of faith works is, it points outwards. To embody Christ is to live that way. And so I was reading some things from Pastor Rich Velotas. He is a pastor in New York, um, He pastors a congregation in the city that houses over 120 different nationalities and uh, unique ethnic representations in his congregation. And so in that, he has talked about the challenge of sometimes bringing assumptions together and bringing worlds together. He talks about how in the first two centuries of the church, it was not Christian worship, the mechanism of how we gather, that attracted outsiders— it was actually Christians who attracted them. And outsiders found the Christians attractive because of their habits, because of their formation, which were formed in worship. But catch this. He says, The best witness we have as the church is not our programs, but our transformed lives. The best witness we have as the church is not our programs, but our transformed lives. Lives. Here's what he's not saying. He's not saying programs don't matter. He's not saying you can't find value in programs. What he is saying, though, is the more fundamental central piece that what he's trying to do in his church, the thing he's trying to impart, the thing he's trying to develop, to stir, to provoke, to bring into being, is life that is transformed. And beyond that, life that is transforming— Life that makes an impact in the world. One that shapes the world, that stirs it to good works and to love. Vision of how we exist. Perhaps you might even say the invitation to God, community, and wholeness. As we think about this last thread in our mission statement, we want to be a church that invites people to God, community, and wholeness— Notice in the scripture, we have this line of, as you see the day drawing near, the day when all things are made new, the day when wounds will be healed, the day when wrongs are made right. In the scriptures, wholeness is oftentimes talked about with the concept of shalom, of peace, of a a kind of uh, interaction and way of existence that, holds and embodies the relational aspect of God. The the divine relationship of God. So this expresses itself in a couple ways throughout Christianity. And there's a major distinction between Western Christianity and Eastern Christianity. We won't divide and uh, parse out all of those, but a big piece of why we can talk about peace and shalom at all is because God is relational. God is holding all things into being. And this wholeness that we explore, this wholeness that we're invited into, it's brought to all creation. And I want to catch that it's not escapism. Sometimes when we talk about inviting people to wholeness, finding wholeness, it looks like removing from the world, withdrawing from the world to find wholeness. In some cases, that might be necessary. Don't want to understate that. But more so, what's happening as we think about wholeness as a, a, a Christian concept, as a scriptural concept, is that God doesn't go away from us to become whole and invite us away. The Bible doesn't end with souls ascending to a disembodied heaven, it ends with a fully embodied heaven descending to earth. Rich Velotus, he will go on to say this. He'll say, The resurrection is good news that God in Christ is committed to the renewal, reconciliation, and resurrection uh, resurrection of all things. And so should the church be. Not just preaching uh, something that takes us out from our community, that takes us out from our world, but something that helps us reimagine Resurrect, renew, reconcile the very existence of our lives now. This is the basis of wholeness throughout Scripture. That heaven comes down. That new heaven and new earth are created here. As we exist and have our being. And so as we think about we want to be a church that is inviting people to God, community, and wholeness. The practices that we live, the practices we embody, the things we do, uh, want to highlight how we might participate in this vision well. Of course, as Karen was here earlier, we have ways to try and think about uh, imagining and reengaging our stories, the stories of things that exist, so that we might know how we live in the world. We might know where we come from. We might know how our histories interact with each other's histories. And we might know, as we do this, how we might find places of comfort, places of conviction, and places of commission, to use a frame that we used last series. There's importance in the expression that Karen is inviting us into over the next month or so. But other ways that we think about inviting people to God, community, and wholeness— that shows out in how we participate in our community. And so one way that we do that is through our community meal. It's not the only way that we have historically, but currently that is one of the— that's the, pro, uh, the primary way that we engage our community. And through that community and through that interaction, we serve food and we interact with people um, who— are experiencing homelessness, and also people who are from the nearby um, apartments and housing where we serve. So we typically serve first Sunday of the month at Lamb of God Church. It's a partnership with different religious organizations. There's some churches. There's one synagogue that serves as well. And we all take a week, and we serve that way. We recognize that how we serve and how we even serve uh, contribute to a broader society isn't just through giving food. We try and source every, every dollar that we spend for this meal within the Lake City community. So we go to local shops, we do things small, we go to communities that way. This started kind of when we shifted to, um, to online, and we shifted, we weren't worshiping in person. What that meant was we weren't serving coffee and donuts together, So we took that budget, and we put it towards our local economy, towards local businesses. That's one way to think creatively about how we, with our finances, contribute to the wholeness and the flourishing of people in the city, in this community. It's not the only way, but it's one way that we express this vision, this statement. God, community, and wholeness. Other ways that we think about this are through how we interact and shape space for families and uh, for kids to join and encounter God. Obviously, we have had over the the last uh, half year, year or so, transition in that space. And we've been working to rediscover what does it mean to uh, engage kids well? What's it mean to engage families well? I want to just, again, shout out to Amy in the way that she has led and resourced families themselves. So that it's not as much a program you come to, but the hope that we hope to get to is to be able to be resourced so that the time we have in church extends into the week. The resourcing we have here, the, the formation we have here, it doesn't just stay here. And so we have some exciting things that uh, we'll start sharing in the weeks and months to come looking ahead at how are we doing this resourcing? What are resourcing, classes, um, Information, but also inspiration for how we can live as families well. So there's some exciting things coming up there. I also want to highlight, just as we think about this invitation to God, community, and wholeness, we want to reflect on the service time together being something that invites us through different engagements of prayer, different engagements of song, different engagements of preaching, I shared at our annual meeting, one of our values that we're bringing about in our preaching, especially, is we want to expose ourselves to a variety of communicators, different types of styles, different theological backgrounds, and also different styles of sermon. And so you may know, may not know, or catch on, but every sermon I preach is a different style week to week. That's intentional. Sometimes it's a three-point sermon with a very structured outline. Sometimes it is more of, a, um, more of a main idea that we circle and we go around. If you'd like to hear more about, like, the craft of preaching homiletics, there's different ways and approaches to all this. It's something that intentionally, as a formational tool, I'm trying to embody for us. And so you rarely will get the same style in a row. But that's because the text— communicates in different styles. A a mentor of mine likes to talk this way. He says, my favorite sermon that Jesus preached was his three-point sermon and application on feeding children. Of course, like, that sermon doesn't exist. Jesus doesn't do a three-point sermon (laughs) at all. (laughs) He, He tells stories. He invites us into that. Now, of course, like, the cheeky pushback there is communication in three points is something we're socialized into. There's a whole bunch of communication that happens there. But a commitment to us as we explore this moment in service, where we spend a lot of our time, is how are we being formed in hearing people well? If we only ever socialize ourselves to one type of worship, one type of preaching, one expression of God in art, one expression of theology, one fill-in-the-blank, we are actually forming ourselves to uh, be challenged when we encounter anyone else who doesn't carry the same conviction and the same presupposition. So this moment is intentionally crafted. This service is intentionally crafted so that we are becoming invitational people. And that sometimes is hard. I want to name that any kind of growth, any kind of challenge. If you're you're training, if I'm training students for soccer, Andrew, he does climbing, right? If he's helping people climb and do that kind of thing. It's difficult. It changes. You have to uh, reimagine the ways that you're engaging one thread. And you relive that in new ways, new ways. But as we aggregate how we engage God together, We become formed to hear God well outside the walls of the church. And so our invitation, the things we're doing intentionally to create this this type of formation, we hope you're here for the journey for that. Recognize the value of a kind of faith formation that transmits in a variety of ways. Something that holds central our invitation to God, community, and wholeness. This is life as we know it. As we think about life for Northeast, as we think about life for the church, as we think about our own lives in the Christian faith, today in countless churches all over the globe, today is the Sunday that celebrates the Feast of Baptism. So we've just had Christmas season. We go through this season in more liturgical churches that go through a season of epiphany, of recognizing and encountering God. And then it has this feast, the feast of baptism, the feast of Christ's baptism. And as I was thinking about this moment for us, I was thinking about our service and ways that we can participate in this thread that is so strong in Scripture— this one that talks about new family, invitation, wholeness, encountering God in the moment. I couldn't get away from, I think we need a tangible expression, something tactile, something that takes this from being a statement or a vision statement to something that we can live, something that we can embody. And so on either side of this stage, we have paper, that is water-dissoluble, we invite you to come and to write a hope or a grief, something that this year, as we are at the beginning of a new year, that you want to bring to the body of Christ, that you want to baptize into the body of Christ, that you want to baptize into this community, into your faith community. It can look a variety of ways. As you write on it and you put it in, you'll notice it will dissolve and disappear. And what it will do is be collected in all of the things that happen here. I was reading someone's um, yearly report of their year. It's great. And as she was writing, she talked about how this year had a lot of tears. There were tears of joy. There were also a lot of tears of sorrow. I want to hold that tension in this space. That as we come and participate in the invitation of God, as we participate in uh, an embodied act of baptism, not baptism itself, but an embodied act of it, that we can bring our griefs and our joys together and recognize that as a community, God holds all of these tensions together, that we share these tensions together. That we want to be with each other in the container, in the holding of tears of joy and tears of grief. And so I would love to invite the band up. They're going to be playing for us as we uh, participate here. And we'll also have some prayer available for us as a community as we share in this space. Again, the invitation is, as we think about God, community, and wholeness, let us also bring our true selves. And so write a hope for the year to come, a celebration, perhaps. Write a grief, something that you're carrying grief over. God holds that space here. We hold that space here. And we invite you to bring that as we journey towards wholeness together and as we participate in the life of God. I'm going to pray for us, and then our band will play and Uh, We'll take time to just pray and engage each other and um, engage this act. There's pens here for you if you so desire to participate here. Join me in prayer, friends. God, we are grateful for the gift of this day. We say that every time that we gather. We hear this prayer every week that we are grateful for the gift of this day. and We pray as we hear this today that we would hear it formationally to make us aware of your presence. To know that you hold us in being. You hold the grief and the tension that we hear. You hold our joys and you hold our celebrations, you hold the highs, and you invite us to share it together. You invite us to you, and as your church, we invite each other to God, community, and wholeness. We pray that in the weeks to come, in the seasons to come, that you would draw near to us. Meet us in our writing. Meet us in our prayer. We pray this with Christ, by the power of the Spirit. And everyone said, amen.